Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Good, 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 good. You know why I'm excellent? Why is that? Because I'm living inside a movie. <laughs> in what movie? In what movie or what or what movie script are you living in? <laughs> I'm living inside Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh, because for folks who are surprised that they're getting this episode, we had to record this because this is an in the news follow up to an in the news we did in January of this year. Yes. And that in the news actually was quite long, 42 minutes. Sorry about that. We got we got a little out of hand. Um, that was the debt ceiling in the news. Yes. And we have resolution because yes. they said, and we, we reported in that episode, that in June, it would all come to a head. And of course, the government waited until the absolute last possible moment to solve this question. Yeah, the, it, it it and it is Groundhog Day in in so many ways, right? I mean, <laughs> right. because because uh, you know we've already talked about this, right? You know, it's kind of sort of like the the running gag in the movie Groundhog Day. Okay, he wakes Don't, up at the same, same. He wakes up with the same share song. I yes. got you, babe. Right? Yes, like, Sunny and Cher. So yes, and at the same time every day, and the same events happen to him every day. Yeah, you know the the the. Um, kid falls out of a tree and yeah i mean somebody the, the, almost gets run over and like there's all these yeah, things yeah the, the 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 radio clock beside his bed at this <laughs> you know this really quaint bed and breakfast in punxsutawney pa you know you know clicks on okay it's the same uh, sunny and share song um it's the same corny jokes from the same guys on the rate the, uh, the the morning radio show okay um you and with the with the six a.m. it goes yeah. off at six a.m. six a.m. right okay <laughs> and the number of times we've done podcast episodes where we're talking about how the United States federal government is you know pushing things to the last possible moment before they go ahead and get some sort of resolution okay again I, and Nia, you've actually heard me make this joke in my classes when you've come in you know, to go ahead and talk about research papers, you know, I make the joke, guys, members of Congress, members of the White House have nothing on you all in regards to doing your assignments at the last possible moment. Right. right? Okay. Right. If okay. you started more than a day in advance, you are ahead yeah. of the federal government. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean. Uh, and not quite, but I mean, we talked about Janet Yellen saying, you know we're going to run out of money in June. And everybody went, oh, that seems terrible. We should solve that. And then everybody went, wait, what is that over my shoulder? A pterodactyl? Never mind. <laughs> and they got distracted, squirrel, and they got distracted, and they stopped paying attention. And then, yes. nobody, and then, and then you got, like, veiled threats all the way through the spring. We are going to cut off Medicare. We're going to... to Cut off the defense. Each side was making these. Yeah, the, these. You know, the these sky is these. The sky. Far the, end. The sky is falling. Right. right. Okay. And the, and far yeah. end predictions of what was going to be in this. Yeah. What they would hold out for. Right. Yeah. I'm going to hold out for a personal shark for every person in the United <laughs> States. Yeah, that kind of stupid stuff that they were saying all through the spring. Yeah, and 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 and, and then when in I think it was like in March, Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen went ahead and said, 
Okay. Um, uh, the Department of Treasury is now going to have to prioritize uh, paying the federal government's bills. Okay. Starting Which, June 1st. Yeah, starting And I was, I was just like. And yet. So, 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 so what have you guys been doing beforehand? You know, some things you do or do not prioritize. I mean, I was, I was just kind of sort of like, well, that's some just weird language, right? That is weird language. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you got to hand it to her. Okay. Like, We're going to have to prioritize payment. What does that mean? Is it, <laughs> are there people we can say, I'll get you next week? Like, how does that work? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just kind of sort of like. I don't I mean, get to do that with my bills. You no, know, no. Yeah. When right. my rent comes due, I have the, if I, if I don't pay it in the first five days of the month, they're like, um, would you like us to kick you out? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's my, no. Yeah, I'll my, get you next time. Yeah, the, the the company that has my my house mortgage doesn't go ahead and say, "Hey, so how you doing this month, uh, uh, Augie on uh, uh, on your income? Hey, would you w- would you like a couple extra weeks? No, they want to know that when <laughs> exactly. you know they're when I'm they're going to compu- need that money, and I'm going to need it now. And if I don't get it, I'm going to send a guy to your house with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, right. To okay. Extract it from you. <laughs> You know, because if their computer reaches out to my bank's computer and there isn't enough money, right? Okay, my, you know, my phone, my email, okay, all get blown up, right? Right. But what was really interesting is, you know, in, in Nia, to your point, they knew this was coming down, right? The Biden administration, and in particular, the House of Representatives uh, controlled by the Republican Party, they knew this was coming down. And they didn't hold any meetings until April. They Did didn't they hold, hold meetings in April? Yeah, they had a couple um, uh, uh, brief meetings, okay, where they ba- both basically walked away from the meetings concluding <laughs> that there'd be no solution, that there was no common ground, right? Right. Because that's they, how they always start. Then they had a couple more in May, okay, early May, okay? Um, and, and, <laughs> and Biden was just like, well, I'm even willing to return from the, you know, G7 international summit that w- that is held every every year, if my negotiators and the House's negotiators are close to a deal. <laughs> I'm just like, well, don't don't be calling your travel agent, Mr. President, because you <laughs> won't need to be coming back home, right? Okay. He did actually come quite come back quite. Mm-hmm. I think he was rather hopeful, more hopeful yeah, than he probably should have yeah. been. So, um, but, but but real fast, um, for those of you who did not listen to the previous episode, what's the debt ceiling? Okay. So, but, but shame on you said tongue in cheek (laughs) for not listening to that episode. Okay. The debt ceiling is basically, uh, by law, the maximum amount of money that the United States can borrow by issuing bonds. Right. So basically it's, you know, kind of sort of like saying, after you've spent a whole bunch of money, I won't spend anything more than that. Okay. It's a very I, teenager approach to your budgeting. Yeah. I will not incur any more debt after all of the debt, after I just went on vacation, just bought a new car, and <laughs> just went ahead and uh, 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 provided new appliances in my house, in my mom's house. At that point in time, I will not incur any more debt, <laughs> right? Which is silly. <laughs> yeah. uh, are there any other countries that have a debt ceiling? Uh, the only other uh, uh, country in the world uh, that has a debt ceiling is Denmark. And in Denmark, they don't have 
the pitched political battles. They basically just routinely go ahead and do it. Um, the, Raise their debt ceiling. Yeah. It, it, I, I've read a series of articles. Um, politicians in Denmark kind of sort of view it as an accounting measure. It's like the okay, one time. It makes them stop and slow down and think about, about it. But then they how go they're and, spending. Okay. But then they go ahead and spend some more. <laughs> okay. So no, it doesn't actually deter them. No, it, it's kind and of. And it doesn't deter us. <laughs> it doesn't deter us, right? Okay. So, um, so the debt, so that's the limit that the amount of money, that, that's the, the limit that the treasury has to spend. Yes. On the nation's yeah. debts. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. when we get close to that, then we start saying we want to raise the debt ceiling, which is we want to extend that money to more. Yes. Right. The government yeah. will have more money to spend on stuff. Yeah, and it, when it was instituted, the, the first time it was officially instituted was in 1917, and it was a way for Congress to check the executive branch to make sure the executive branch was not exceeding the spending allowed in budget bills. So okay. it was kind of sort of designed as a check and balance, right? However, over time, it has ended up becoming this kind of sort of leverage point between the Congress and the president, particularly when they're not of the same political party. Right. Okay. And this is where, you know, we've run into this, this particular year, because last fall, the House of Representatives went from being controlled by the Democratic Party to being controlled by the Republican, whereas the office of president, Joe Biden, is a Democrat. So the Republicans viewed it as a leverage point because without um, reauthorizing the debt ceiling, effectively by law, the United States federal government cannot borrow any money, any more money, right? Right, got, and it you, defaults on its loans because it can't, afford to pay for them. That's right. Okay. Which um, Augie explained in the last episode, so I'm going to encourage you to listen to it. What happens when the U.S. government defaults on its loans is basically, and the world collapses like a flan in a cupboard. Like if if the yes. U.S. government actually did default because of globalization, the entire world economy would fall apart. And people say, what about China? What about the Yuan? What about, right, like, what about different currencies? What about the EU um, and the Euro? The, the trading level done in the United States dollar is a it's phenomenal a amount yeah. of, of the U.S., I mean, of the world's economy. Yeah, economy. The, yeah, the, the U.S. dollar. If, it, if it's unstable... Yes. Okay. Then the markets completely fall apart in places. But it's the butterfly effect. If yeah. our if our if we go unstable, if our currency goes unstable, every well, country it, in the world is affected by that. And it's not only just the currency, Nia. It's also the fact that if you don't raise the debt ceiling, and the United States has to default on paying its bills, then the U.S. government then has to make decisions 
on which bills it will pay and which ones it won't. That's what Yellen's talking about when she talks about prioritizing. prioritizing. That's right, okay? Because at that point in time, okay, the United States federal government spending generates a significant percentage of the United States productivity. It's it's measured um, gross domestic product, right? right? So if the United States federal government is not paying some of its bills, that means there are Americans who are not receiving money, which means if they're not receiving money, they're, say, not, instance, spending money. they're not spending money, which means the productivity in the United States plummets. Okay. Right. Because you don't pay your contractors. They stop working. They don't make any money. They can't buy groceries, pay their mortgage, pay their car payment, whatever it is. They so none late. of that is happening. They so start- then the grocery company lays people off. The yes. car company lays people off. The mortgage company goes under, right? All these things, it's a, yes. it's a, it's ripple a ripple effect. effect. Yeah, it's a ripple effect, right? So going into this particular debt ceiling crisis, Okay, you know, you had credit analysis firms like Moody's predict that even just a four month default, okay, would mean a reduction of 4% of the US GDP. Stock prices would fall because investors, okay, would lose confidence. Okay, and, and again, the stock market is a confidence, if you will, game. Oh yes. Okay. It's a con game, but yeah, it's a comp- <laughs> It's it's about confidence. So right. so so much of capitalist economies are it's, about confidence. Right. right. It's built on that. Right. Okay. Because if you're a wealthy person and you do have money to invest, but you think the economy is going to go into the tank, why would you invest the money into corporations? Right. If you are a middle class American, okay, and you think that you may lose your job. Are you going to go at, go out and buy a new house or a new car? Right. No. No. So Looks you stop. Not. So you stop spending money, and then we get into the ripple effects that Nia you just described, right? Right. Okay. People aren't going to concerts. People aren't buying clothes. People are cutting back on what they spend at the grocery store. Right. They make hard decisions about what drugs that they get at the drugstore. Right. They hold off on going to the doctor because there's a copay, and I can't afford the copay, right? Okay, so all of a sudden, you have these huge ripple effects in the economy. And here's the thing. When the American economy starts slowing, it then impacts the world because the U.S. economy's primary role in the global economy is Americans consume, (laughs) Yes. Okay. Right. And if we stop consuming, then then the rest of the world has no place to place those goods. So then the then so then they have goods but no money coming in. Yes. Which means that then their economies slow down because there's not enough flow. Because part of what economy depends on is exchange of money. Right. Yes. That's the in fact that's the that's actually the real definition of economy is the is the flow of money. Yeah, because I'm willing to go ahead and use my hard-earned money to buy that thing. thing that you went ahead and spent a whole bunch of time making, right? right? 
And that's the you know basic economic transaction. But it's even more than this, Nia. Okay. The United States debt is provided for by people, institutions, and governments buying our debt. Right. Because they feel it's a safe investment. And the reason they feel it's a safe investment for people, and this is super basic. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, economists who may be listening to this and start wailing. (laughs) Yes. The thing about about buying a bond, the reason that you buy a treasury bond is that because it's a guaranteed interest payment to you. So you say to the government, I will loan you this $10. And the government says, why, thank you very much. I will give you back $11 when this bond comes due. Yes. Right. And so, yes, you're not making a huge margin, but you're making a guaranteed margin so long as there is a United States government. Right. As, as long as we continue to exist as a nation. Particularly because it was the United States government that never defaulted. Right. So okay. we are seen as a safe investment. You One may not the, get a huge amount, but you'll get a do- you'll get a dollar off of that ten. Like, and, and that's why most people's okay retirement funds is in treasury bonds. Yes. Has yeah. A, you move out of stocks when you want safer return. Right. Because right? when you're young, you're like. Venture capital, I'll buy that stock. And if it goes down, I'll just put in more money later, right? Like you, you live a little wilder. But you get to start, you get to your mid-50s and you start going, I want uh, treasury bonds and I want only blue chip companies that are never going to go under. And none of that makes a huge amount of money, but it's safe. It's safe. And, and what we're talking about here is bringing that safety into question. Yes. Again, when you, this, when you this, do this... Brinksmanship thing. This goes back to confidence, right? Right. And you know, and to give an example of why the predictions of June of this year were so dire was that the last time, okay, the United States Congress and the president got close to defaulting on the nation's debt ceiling was in 2011, and once again, it was. A House of Representatives controlled by the Republicans. Again, this is another feature of the Groundhog Day, right? right. And a Democratic president. At that time, it was uh, uh, Barack Obama, right? Um, the fact that they got close to the debt ceiling expiring and thus a default led to, okay, stock market or stock prices plunging, okay? Huge volatility within the securities, government securities um, um, uh, market. The United States credit rating for the first time in our country's history, in our country's history, folks, that's, you know, at that point, it was 220 plus years. Our credit rating was reduced, which meant that the federal government would have to pay more money to borrow money because our credit Okay. Cost uh, more. Cost more. They didn't trust okay. us. They didn't trust okay. us that we were going to pay it back. That's why if you are a person with no, what they call no credit, right? Like you're just out of college and you haven't, you don't have a history of having credit. When you go to buy a car, it is going to cost you more to borrow that money than it would Augie, who has a long history of showing that he pays debts on time, that he's that he's good for the money, basically. Yes. 
Yes. He has shown over time that he's good for the money. So he gets a significantly lower car interest rate than you would get as a college student fresh out of college with no credit history, um, which, by the way, is the trap of how they get college students to get credit cards, is they say, you're going to build your credit history. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't put anything on a credit card when you're in college. But yeah. anyway, that's a whole side issue. But, but, but that's, that's, that's the but, And that cost difference, if you're only talking about, even if you're just talking about half a percent, if you're talking about half a percent on a billion dollars. Or a trillion, or in the case of the United States federal government, okay. 31 our, trillion. <laughs> yes, Okay, at the time of recording this podcast, okay, most estimates of the United States accumulated debt is well over $31 trillion. Yeah, okay? that starts to add up to be real money. <laughs> that that half a point interest rate or that quarter point interest rate, yeah. once you start spending in the trillions, trillions. that's actually that actually yeah. adds to the debt in a really terrifying way. So so and, and and here's one more cost of the brinksmanship before we move into the realm of the political. Okay, what actually happened in this? Yeah. Okay. To avert to avert. Okay, the debt ceiling crisis. Here's the other thing. Okay, again, I'm going to go back to confidence, and we saw this in 2011 because the federal government got so close to defaulting. It had a huge impact on consumer confidence and small business confidence. Now, some of you all might be like, okay, so what's the big deal? When consumers are not confident, they don't make large expenditures. Right. Oh, we'll put off buying that washing machine until next year. Here. We won't go we'll put ahead off and buying that new car, new car until next year. Yeah. Okay. And Honey, let's not go on vacation this year. Let's just stash the money. I'm not sure how things are going to go. Go. That's right. So that means they are not spending money. This goes back to, you know, Neil, what you said a few moments ago. Okay. That's that basic economic transaction. I'm not willing to go ahead and spend my hard-earned money on other goods and services, which would generate economic, if you will, activity in the market. Okay. That's that ripple, right? Right. Because when we stop spending money, the then, ripple stops. It, then the ripple stops, right? And and that was really problematic in 2011 because that was two two and a half years removed from the Great Recession. Right, still recovering. Still recovering. And here's where it would have had a huge impact in today's economy. The United States, like many Western democracies, has been dealing with. Um, inflationary pressures for the last, you know, year and a half to two years. And the big question is, government's efforts to rein in inflation could lead to a recession. Well, you would almost guarantee a recession if the United States federal government defaulted on its debt, because when you shave off four or five percent of the nation's productivity in a short period of time, you're, it's going to lead to a recession. Right? Yeah, I would I would argue that it's not almost. It will lead to a recession. Okay. You were you were being generous there at the beginning of your statement because okay. I think I, I don't know how else that could end. Well, it could end in a wild depression that drags down the entire rest of the nation. I mean, entire rest the of the world. world. 
but the best we could hope for would be a recession. Like, yeah. Yeah, because Nee and I, uh, listeners, have talked uh, off recording a number of times. Nee is of the opinion that the reaction to the inflation will most assuredly lead to a recession. I'm not entirely sure it will, only because we end up, we still end up getting these odd um, economic measures. So, like yeah. at the time that we are recording, it's a couple of days after um, the uh, Labor Department's May employment figures, and the United States still added well over 300,000 new jobs, which is just bizarre when you have the Federal Reserve Board in a protracted campaign to raise interest rates to slow down economic activity, but we're still hiring people, which means we got to typically raise labor costs. You know, we got to, we got to uh, raise, if you will, salaries. Okay. Because we're in competition for jobs, right? Except that I'm not sure that's happening. Well, I think that there's some real questions about what, because we're in a new economy right now. This post-COVID economy, I think, has different economic drivers, maybe slightly different economic drivers. A lot of our new jobs are in service. Service isn't always the best paid industries. Um, so I think it, it, but you're right that you and I are going to have to have that discussion over the next year, sort of grr, rr, rr, fight it out a little bit amongst ourselves of what of what this means but, 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 in the but, long but, term. But Nia, that conversation actually replicates what's actually going on in government in the United States, but around the world. Right. Everybody's going, this is weird. This, this is really is weird. weird right? Like because, economies shouldn't do this. Yeah, because like, the normal pains the norm somewhere is rolling over in his grave, just spinning. Yeah, because the, the normal cycle is what you described, Nia. The right. normal cycle is when you have protracted, prolonged inflation. Governments react, some would say overreact, okay? And then that leads to a slight recession. And then you eventually get to equilibrium, right? But we know that there wouldn't be an equilibrium if the U.S. federal government had defaulted. I mean, right. there's just, there's no way of getting around it, right? Right. You don't have that kind of uh, retraction or uh, 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 retrenchment, if you will, and not get a recession. So, next question. So the political, the political Oops. aspects of of the debt ceiling. Yes. Right. You mentioned something to me a while back, and we're going to do a whole separate episode on this about how the government uses money to to get what it wants, like. To incentivize. Incentivize. Thank yes. you. Incentivize is the word I was looking it, for. Uh, I was going to say blackmail, but that's not quite. <laughs> although I one mean, could argue that from either yes. direction, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but incentivizing behavior is part of what the government does with money. Yes. Right? Just in general. The yes. reason there are gasoline taxes is to curb people just driving endlessly all over the place, right? It's to help you think about, oh, do you really want to drive for yes. hours and hours and hours on end? And the the answer to teenage boys and girls who want to do what we used to call um, 
uh, cruising. Yeah, we, we would cruise on when Friday you would just drive yeah. up and down uselessly. Well, yeah. you know, one of the reasons that you have a car tax is to prevent that, right? Because then it, because then it helps cut down on emissions and blah blah blah. It does all these other things that the government wants to have happen. So that's why you get incentivizing behaviors. Yes, but you also get, I think, you get. Posturing. Oh, yes. Right? Like, I'm not entirely certain how serious. No, let me take that back. I believe that the people who were sitting in the White House um, on this past week who were totally stressed out about this, I believe they were serious. I don't think they walked in there saying, and I want an elephant, and I want, you know, and I want to be six inches taller, and like all these ridiculous things they weren't going to get. I don't think they were doing that at this point. No. But but when we talk about what happened in the spring, I think a lot of what we're talking about there is Is posturing, posturing. right? Yeah, because you got to play to your basis, right? Right. If you're an elected official, you know that your core supporters are going to want you to say certain things, okay, because those are their policy preferences, right? So how do we get past the posturing? What can we, what can we do to stop having – okay, wait. First of all, I happen to know that in this bill we've scheduled the next debt ceiling fight for 2025, Correct. Which is great. You got to get that on people's calendars. You don't want them to be late. You don't want them to miss it, right? It's like going to a concert from your favorite artist. You want to make sure everybody shows up. So, I, and I, that, by the way, is me being completely sarcastic. How, <laughs> like, I don't think you should plan to have a debt ceiling fight, but we know that's what we're going to have in 2025. How can we stop doing this? What, what, what tools? Are there what what ways are there that we can stop doing? Well, you fix could, it, Augie. Fix it. Well, you could get rid of the debt ceiling. the 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 debt ceiling is not required by the U.S. Constitution. Really? So we could just say we don't have debt ceiling. We spend whatever we want to spend. Yeah, we could. Okay. Um, Boy, that uh, seems in some ways awesome and in some ways completely dangerous. Yeah, and and and, and unfortunately, I don't see there being an incentive for either political party, um, uh, well, particularly right now, the Republican Party, but in the past, there were also, you know, the Democratic Party used the debt ceiling as leverage to get what they want in regards to the federal government's budget. I mean, Oh, yeah. We should be honest for everybody who's listening. This was both everybody. Yeah. Whenever this has been divided government and this question has come up since it's first started it's been partisan yeah and everybody it, it, ha- both sides have done this and it's also the democrats did this to reagan didn't they uh yes they yeah yeah the democrats did it to reagan and it's also institutional right right okay remember you know when it was created in 1917 it was because congress didn't trust the president <laughs> Okay, so I mean, uh, well, and I mean, you know, coming on the heels of the Great Depression, they kind of had reason. Wait, no, you said nineteen seventeen. My but, bad. My bad. Okay, but but wrong, but this, wrong era. Okay, but this was the era where the progressives were saying, if you wanted to get better government, 
you would take the budgeting process out of the hands of legislative bodies and give it to executive branch bodies, right? Uh, okay, well, okay. Which only works out if the president is not not a profligate spinner, spender. Yeah, but if the Congress is controlled by the opposition, <laughs> opposition party, almost, it, 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 again, I, I mean, I hate to be so cynical, but if you have divided government, okay, it's pretty, I think it's almost natural for the, you know, Congress controlled by the opposition party to go ahead and say, do we really trust that president? I mean, right. Right. I mean our, our, our system is kind of right. sort of predicated on that lack on of trust. On not trusting. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. On casting sp- suspicious eye on the other party. Yes, right. Whoever I mean, the other party is. I mean, at least you know yeah. that's that at least is what James Madison said in Federalist Paper Number Fifty One, right? So even when people say we could get rid of the debt ceiling, they don't really mean that. They mean we could get rid of the debt ceiling while my guy is in the office. Yes, but then we're going to need that debt ceiling when your guy's yeah, in, the in the office because I'm not feeling I'm not yeah. feeling it. Yeah, that's what they mean. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they, so that's not a legitimate. What else could we do? Uh, well, I mean. It, Again, this would force, okay, and in this is probably wholly unrealistic, okay, um, is we could end up, we could have serious discussions in the Congress and between the Congress and the White House um, uh, about spending, right? Because we have some structural problems currently in the United States federal government's budget. Oh, my gosh. Can we just talk briefly just for just a second about the budget? The budget in the United States is like, what do you mean I don't have money? There's still checks in my checkbook. Yes. Right. Like as long as I have this credit card, I can spend. No, 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 no. That is not how it works. I So I could see having serious discussions about reform if we had a bunch of moderates. Yes. But at the way way we are now, yeah. both edges of the parties would rather chew through rotten wood than yeah. have an, yeah. an honest discussion about, about spending priorities. Spending. Yeah, because off recording, as uh, listeners, as Nia and I were uh, discussing what we wanted to cover with this podcast episode, um, you know, Nia, you and I discussed two examples from the two wings of the political parties represented by members of Congress. Okay. How uh, AOC, a democratic member in the house of representatives. Okay. Hated the deal that led to averting the debt ceiling uh, uh, default. And then on the Republican side, Lindsey Graham. Okay. Also hated it. Okay. AOC Okay, hated it because there are there are elements to the debt ceiling deal, okay, where there's going to be work requirements for safety net programs. Okay. She hated that, right? Yeah. On the other hand, Lindsey Graham absolutely absolutely hated the fact that um future spending is capped over the next two years. And that includes the Department of Defense. Right. Okay. Which he's a big hawk. Yes. Huge hawk, right? 
I mean, he would like to see the Biden administration give even more money, more weapons, okay, to the Ukrainians and fighting the war against the Russians, right? Okay. Sorry, and for for listeners who don't know AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, I apologize. We just call her AOC because that's what everybody calls her, and it's cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, But we don't want to not recognize her full name. Full name, that's right. And I apologize uh, 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 for not doing so. Right. But we need to have serious discussions, right? That's on the spending side. You know, know, the fact that we have the world's largest defense budget of any country, right? We have uncontrolled, even according to supporters of these programs, uncontrolled entitlement program spending. Right. Right. As was noted during COVID when we had millions of dollars that just went missing. Yes. Right. And and people and the states are like, uh. Yes. <laughs> okay. That is not an acceptable answer so to millions of dollars have gone missing. Particularly because the the definition of entitlement program is you need to determine who is entitled. Right. If you're not if, if you if <laughs> if you have no measures for that and you're not enforcing those measures measures, then you then you are going to lose money right you're going to lose to fraud you're going to lose to to and just to poor mismanagement that's right and then you got the infamous pork barrel spending right well and can i just say this bill has a little lovely piece of pork barrel (laughs) in it which is the expedited permitting of oil and gas projects yes senator manchin i'm looking at you because Though we was put in there just to get his vote, I think. Well, interestingly enough, you had both liberals and conservatives who wanted this because liberals want it for not only oil and gas projects, but for future solar, solar projects. Right. Right. Because environmentalists have begun to make the same complaint that fossil fuel advocates had been <laughs> making for years, which is that. We can't per- get anything built. The permitting <laughs> yes, process, process is too is, hard. Yes, too, ti- too time-consuming. But, you know, on the revenue side, if we were really, truly interested in addressing future United States debt, you need to go ahead and look at the United States tax code, which has not been significantly reformed since the 1980s during the Reagan administration. Yeah, okay. There's got to be a way to simplify the tax. Okay. And, and, and that was a joint effort between the Reagan administration and Democratic Senator Bill Bradley from New Jersey. But that's the 1980s. The United States economy has changed significantly since the 1980s, years. right? Right. In 40 okay. years. Exactly. But, I mean, if you really wanted to go ahead, as you pointed out, you know, one of the, the the best reforms, okay, would to be simplify the tax code. And when you simplify the tax code, you have to get rid of exceptions, subsidies, okay, removal of tax breaks, right? And for I everybody for everything, which which people are like, I want that for big corporations. Yeah, but that also includes your mortgage. Yes. 
payments, like, okay. and your child payments, and your all kinds of like it includes all of that student loan, student loan repayment, right? Exactly, okay. all of that has to be revisited if you want to simplify the tax code. And part of why um, we don't simplify the tax code is because one of the biggest lobbying groups in Washington is the tax preparer. Oh my goodness! Lobbying yeah. groups, H and R Block, and and all those other—not just them, yeah. not just them. I'm not signal, signaling them; they're just the only one I can name right now. But Tax Form USA, right? All those companies are like, no, no, no. We don't want you to change the tax code because they don't yeah, want but, it to be simple that you could do it on your own. You need a preparer yeah, because, for that. Because if it's complicated, that means most of us, okay. Okay, we'll go to an expert to go ahead and get it done, which means right. they are guaranteed employment. Well, you know, if you simplify the tax code and many of us, okay, can just go ahead and do it ourselves, well, we don't need any, you know, tax right. attorney, accountant, okay, any of those firms that you mentioned. We don't need any of that, right? And it would be way more transparent if it were simpler. More transparent, but also we lose, according to economists, billions of dollars every year, okay, from the Treasury simply because of all these tax breaks. And again, you mentioned this a few moments ago, Nia, okay, we use these tax breaks to incentivize behavior. Right. We want people to go to college. Oh, so – if you take out a student loan, when you have to repay the loan, you get to claim the interest on your loan as a deduction on your taxes. We want people to buy houses. Oh, you took out a mortgage. Well, guess what you get to deduct from your taxes? The interest on your loan, right? Okay. We want you to go ahead and install solar, solar panels on your house. Well, guess what you get to go ahead and deduct, right? Right. Okay. Some of those costs. We or want, electrical vehicles or yeah we want business we want you to have children yes so what about all those americans who decide not to have kids well they don't get Too a bad tax for break. them yeah you're you know you're sol okay and i'm i'm not talking about standards of learning either listeners right, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay okay but we want businesses to go ahead and expand their workforce Oh, we will give you a tax credit if you do so. We want small businesses, right. okay, to operate in poor areas, whether poor rural or poor poor urban areas. Well, we will give you, okay, interest-free loans to do this. Okay. All of that costs money. Costs money. And it and and it costs money by not getting money. Yes. Right? Okay. It's not money that's coming into the federal government. Yeah, if that's we just if everybody just straight up paid their paid like exactly what they owed for all of this stuff, probably in five years we'd have all our debt paid off. Or we would have a significant amount. I mean, at least we'd be able to balance the budget on a yearly basis, right? Yeah. But people I mean, don't like that because they don't because they perceive that the other guy is getting breaks the they person. are not getting. Yes. And politicians don't like some of these reform measures because it would hurt some of their constituents. Right. Okay. So real fast, okay, for those of you who don't want to read the 99 pages of the debt ceiling bill, okay, that President Biden signed into office, 
We're we talked do... to you that not a whole not whole lot of number of people <laughs> who voted for it read it either. Okay. So, side side note: House vote was three fourteen to one seventeen, and it was bipartisan. It was bipartisan. <laughs> yeah, which which is interesting to me that, um, and we'll talk about this another time, that Speaker McCarthy could not get every single Republican on board. Yep. Um, he's not in the best position as Speaker. Um, and then the Senate vote was 63 to 36. And if you're doing the math, uh, Senator Feinstein is the missing vote. Yes. Yep. Right. The The 99, and then she's the... 100th she's the missing vote but it was bipartisan and pretty but it was also bipartisan yeah and pretty much those on the extremes for both political parties voted voted against it (laughs) right Right. (laughs) okay and everybody else was like quick fix it yes and we'll have this fight again in two years see you in two years bye okay yeah so uh uh nia you already mentioned um uh the the debt ceiling has been uh, reauthorized um, for two more years. Um, and yes, 2025 uh, was done consciously because that avoids the presidential election year of 2024. And it also avoids the next midterm election year of 2026. Yeah. Okay. You can say we need what- something to fight about in the middle. Okay. You can say what you want about. This is uh, like planning out pay for TV. Okay. You you know, elected officials get criticized, sometimes rightfully, as not being all that smart. But this was rather conscious, okay, on their part. And I think it's rather smart on their part, because you don't want a debt ceiling crisis in an election year. Right. Okay. You just that, don't. Just more drama than we can put up. Yes. With. Okay. Uh, Nia, you already mentioned um, future spending is capped, Okay. Um, for the next two years, okay? Um, so it's temporary, but I mean, for those who actually like the federal government to be a little bit more conscious, okay, about w- how much it spends, this was something that um, McCarthy pushed for. Um, it did not go as far as the Freedom Caucus of the Republican Party. The Freedom Caucus wanted particular spending cuts they wanted reductions and this is basically a stays at the 2022 level that's right we already talked about the expedited permitting for oil and gas projects um but also for all energy products projects right okay um the big one this one really upset the progressives in the democratic party but I have something to say about this after you say it. Okay. Work requirements for safety net programs. There were exceptions made for homeless veterans in recent foster care youth uh, programs. And those exceptions are brand new. Yes. And they yep. are very exciting to those those folks of us who worry about community. Yes. Um, yes. In the sense of the the idea that you're homeless but you have a work requirement would be terrible yes right like how on earth would you would you make that work and we have long in this country had problems with foster care youth okay you're 18 get out yes right like that's that's a terrible thing to do to somebody right so yeah you're you're going to condition condition continued aid for 
a recent foster child right. on work. Likewise with veterans who are transitioning back to civilian life. And who mm-hmm. may suffer from a variety of illnesses yes. inflicted upon them yeah. during the defense of their country. No, yeah. thank you. So yeah. I'm glad to see those exceptions. Um, and I, I think that that's a, it makes that a pill that is easier to swallow. Swallow. Yeah. Yep. To, into my mind. Uh, the bill also reduced um, um, uh uh, $20 billion of new enforcement money for the IRS. For those of you who don't know, last year in President Biden's, um, if you will, signature infrastructure, signature, uh, infrastructure <laughs> bill. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Um, <laughs> he uh, he uh, convinced the Congress uh, to give, um, it was what, nearly $80 billion in new enforcement money. And the thought was this would pay for itself because the IRS would be able to go ahead and target all of those Americans who consciously cheat the treasury out of income tax. Right. Okay. Um, Republicans, okay, were concerned and initial reports indicated that the IRS was struggling to come up with an enforcement scheme that only targeted wealthy Americans. Um, The concern was that many lower and middle-class Americans would also be targeted for audits, which would seemingly (laughs) run counter to what the Biden administration said was the purpose of all this enforcement money. I think these guys are playing to the masses. Right. Yeah, the reality is the IRS for decades has needed an infusion of money, okay, to go ahead and upgrade their systems and to hire more agents. Now, the downside, and this is something that I actually agree with the Republicans, we need to see potential rules or regulations coming from the IRS that are transparent about who will be the target, of the audits of the investigations. I agree with that, but I'm cynical enough to say that one of the reasons Republicans oppose it is because wealthy Americans tend to be Republican. Well, that's actually somewhat changing, but we talked about that previous with the United States census. <laughs> okay. Which we will just, yeah. and we will, I'm yeah. sure discuss yet another yeah, time. time for, yeah. Right. For 40 okay. as we make this podcast. Yeah. But, I mean, so because, there's some, there's some yeah. self-servingness to yeah. it as well. Sure. Okay. Um, and there's a changing demographic going on with both political parties, which I think both political parties are kind of sort of struggling with. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's a few more items. Uh, and you and I both agree that this next one was really good. Um, the return of close to $28 billion of either unused or unaccounted for COVID monies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually surprised that it's not more than that. Oh, yeah. I think that's the low end estimate. <laughs> I think that's the low end estimate, too. Um, and I think that part of that was the federal government took a huge pile of money and threw it at the states and said, do things. And the states had no infrastructure for doing that. Yep. 
Yep. So there's poor transparency. Things got spent in really stupid, weird ways. Heck, for that like, matter, the federal government uh, didn't have the capacity to manage this because a right. whole bunch of money got you know got allocated to uh, businesses, individuals, and corporations. Okay, and in some cases it was just outright fraud, but in right. other cases, okay, you you actually had people make mistakes. Okay. In, in whether they were supposed to get the money, the money, whether they were supposed to yeah. spend it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so what I'm it, all about the clawback on that. Yeah. I'm all about this sort of, yes, yeah. take back that money. Because yeah. if there's any money left, let's pull it back. It wasn't clearly wasn't needed. And yeah. And, and let's and see rate, if we can. And let's see if we can find fraud and figure that out as well. Yeah. I mean, people who looks, took PPE money and didn't pay their staff. Yeah. You, you oh that new Corvette you bought in 2021? No, thank you. Yeah, you're you know supposed to use the money to keep your business open, but you actually reduced hours. Right. How's yeah, that no. work? Yeah. <laughs> okay. no. So okay. I'm hoping to see some some I I personally. Yeah. And I and I we we try not to be super political on this podcast, um, but I personally would like to see some of that money returned to the government, and put and and taken off the like off the debt right like yeah and 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 you mentioned something just real briefly in your description there nia let's see if we can learn some lessons so that if when we have a future public health crisis and we're kind of sort of like you know attempting to throw money at the problem which is part of what we did with covid19 can we actually learn on how we can do it effectively more, yeah more effectively and and more economically Right. right. Okay. The the only thing that they did leave in place that I'm that I appreciate was they did leave in place money for the CDC to continue to research the expedition of vaccines for future yeah. issues. Yeah. Which is a good thing because yeah. this is probably not the only pandemic we're going to have. Yeah. Um, as the world gets a more and more full of people and they cough on each other, then <laughs> yeah, and, and, or and exchange you know, bodily fluids or whatever you well, want, then we're going to have more pandemic. As our, as our previous podcast um, uh, guest and friend, uh, uh, Dr. Judy Twitter has pointed out, you know, as, as human beings um, begin to move into and populate areas that were previously only occupied by animals, um, right. Who knows know, what's going to happen? Yeah, we don't know, right? right. There are two other items um, and we would be remiss if we did not mention. And one of them we already covered, the defense spending cap Caps. Um, that, that Lindsey Graham just loves. Um, and boy, I said that completely sarcastically. sarcastically right. right? He, okay. he basically stopped just short of setting himself on fire, but it was a near thing. He was yeah. so upset because yeah, he, he defense a, spending cap for this year is 3%. It can only go up 3%. And next year, it can only go up 1%. 1%. Yes. Yeah. 1%. What will the military do? Oh, my goodness. We're only the largest military on the planet by about a factor of 40. But okay. And, and now and, I am being sarcastic. So. Okay. And again, I'm not a national security expert. But <laughs> – some of the hawks in the United States Congress, okay. Man, they act like other people are super armed. I'm like, what are you? Well, I mean, in 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 some of their arguments, I mean, a couple of them actually like gave 
press conferences where they went ahead and said, well, if I was going to go ahead, if I was another country and I was going to attack the United States, I would want to do so in the next two years because we just announced that we put spending caps on the Department of Defense. I'm like, you're talking about the world that has, you're talking about the nation that has the largest defense budget in the world, okay? Larger than the next at least five or six <laughs> countries combined. Combined. If 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 you're going to make your decision on attacking the United States. Based on, on our, <laughs> our, our defense spending. On our defense spending. I'm not too worried about our ability to beat you. Yeah, yeah I'm just going <laughs> to. Like... Your logic and reasoning are not good. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, then, I like our chances. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, Lindsay, do you think Canada's coming over the border? Like, what? How do you think this is? I don't know. It, it just it, it, is interesting to me when the hawks get so hawkish that even other hawks are like, okay, you've gone a little too far. Yeah. Right? Like, you're, to, yes. Like, all the other hawks were looking at Lindsey Graham and going, man, calm down. It's not that bad. Right. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> How many multiple threat scenarios are we supposed to be prepared for here? Exactly. Uh, we'd like a war on 74 fronts, please. Like, okay, we're not going to do that because dip- diplomacy. Uh, anyway. I mean, because otherwise, why in the, you know, why in the heck have a budget for the State Department if we can't talk ourselves out of some of these problems, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. The last one I want to mention, um, and this is near and dear to uh, uh, both uh, Nee and I, uh, one, because of our own uh, personal experiences, but also <laughs> because we both work at a university with right. a very high percentage of our students that we interact with uh, that have this. Um, student loan um, uh, payments must resume um, when this bill gets signed. Um, uh, not 60 days or 90. They'll start in September. Yeah, that will start in September. And... Um, uh, and so if you're a listener and you have student loans, you should start preparing for that. Yes. If, you know, uh, your payments were suspended because of COVID-19. Um, and They will resume in September. September. They will resume in September. Um, Even if the Supreme Court, by some, <laughs> uh, what I would think at this point would be miraculous decision decides to allow the debt forgiveness to go forward what is not covered under the debt forgiveness forgiveness. will still be owed yes and it doesn't just wipe out people's loans completely so don't don't fall into that mistaken thinking if you owe money you are going to have to start paying it back in september September. yes okay so budget accordingly right or (laughs) seek deferment if you are in a situation where you can't talk to your lender yes right that's the thing people don't do i just didn't mention to the mortgage company that i couldn't pay the mortgage for three months if you had just talked to the mortgage company they could have worked something out with you but now you're homeless right yeah that so same thing with your student loan if you have a student loan lender um this little psa here at the end of this episode if you have a student loan lender and you are strapped or in or struggling because you're still struggling to get back on your feet from COVID or whatever, then you need to talk to your lender yeah, and see if there's any way that they can extend or give you a deferment or something. You know, reduce the size of your payment because let's exactly. face it, um, most holders of loans don't want to see you default 
because in a default, they don't see any repayment. Right. Okay. It's better than nothing. <laughs> yes. Right. So right. if you're, if your payment um, is $200 a month and you can give them 50, that's 50 more than they're going to get if you don't give them anything. anything that's right. Okay. So. Um, uh, but uh, uh, again, folks, it's 99 pages. Um, um, uh, once the bill is signed into law, and depending on when um, this episode uh, gets posted, we'll probably have um, in the research guide um, a link um, uh, to the bill. Um, and and again, guys, it's pretty fascinating reading, uh, even if you're not a policy junkie, because some of the stuff as I was reading it, I was just like, you know, this is not getting covered in the news. And I'm not entirely sure, like Nia, you mentioned earlier in the podcast episode, I'm not entirely sure all the members of Congress who voted on this are aware of some of the details, right? If I were writing bills these days, I would stick stuff in the middle, <laughs> just random sentences where I would say, and space unicorns will dance through the halls of Congress. And then, and then I would just keep writing the normal bill as it were, and then see if anybody caught it. You yeah, know what I, I mean? Like now I say that, but there are poor interns all over Capitol Hill. Oh, good Lord. And all oh. over the news agencies that had to read over this oh. thing and highlight and make notes and give yes. it to their boss to give it to another person just to write the script. Yes. So there are people out there who have fully read this. And for them, we say, God bless you. Yeah, we're sorry. We're sorry. And and yes. thank you for the for your service. <laughs> thank you for your service. And as um, somebody as somebody who did that one summer, okay, when I had an internship with a United States senator, okay. Um, bless feel, your heart I in a good you, way. I feel your pain. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> and, and I'm not being condescending when it was no. used like uh, by a former president. Seriously, I feel your pain. Um, <laughs> but anyways, Nia. Um, I'm just so, happy. Folks, I'm ha sorry it went a little long this time, but we had a lot to say about this. Um, yeah, yeah. About um, this in the news thing that's going on. And I guess then we'll just hold our council until 25 and then we'll have this discussion all over again. Yeah. And we'll probably start that particular podcast episode with some of our fam uh, uh, favorite uh, uh, dialogue quotes from the movie <laughs> Groundhog Day. Right. Which <laughs> because if uh, listeners, if you didn't pick up on this, both Nia and I are huge fans of that movie. Okay. <laughs> um, doesn't have a lot to say about politics, though we could probably make almost any movie about politics. Right. But it is a, a fan favorite. And for listeners, um, I actually grew up 15 minutes, okay, outside of Punxsutawney. Um, Did um, you ever see Phil? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, we had to do uh, school trips field trips how about this having to wake up at six o'clock in the morning okay <laughs> on a february <laughs> in north it's central cold. it's dark <laughs> yes right <laughs> you're like i don't care about, care about that <laughs> groundhog right <laughs> and our teachers are like oh you're gonna have a really good time and we're like no, no we're not, not. <laughs> okay <laughs> Because we're Gen Xers, we're absolutely not going to have time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't care that's, how. That's a great. 
thing for us to end on. That ceiling thing is it's like getting up at six in the morning in the dark, in the cold to go out and see if a groundhog sees a shadow. You're like, okay, first of all, could could I not just find out about this later? Later. When I had an opportunity to stay in my bed where it was nice and warm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I love that because the parallel there is us saying, just tell us how it ends when y'all figure it out. Right? Like right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, right. Oh, okay. my goodness. Thank you, Augie. <laughs> Bye, Nia. <laughs>